H.C. Wild, December, season five. Here's Dave. Hey there. <laughs> you usually come in stronger than that. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. There it is. What is up? I hope you're having a fantastic holiday season. Um, we're not going to play any um, holiday music on this podcast. So if you are... Uh, playing the game where you're trying to avoid uh, the Mariah Carey song or the Wham song, don't worry. We're not going to sneak that in there and blow it for you. Uh, we're only going to play stuff from New Order. It's a very special New Order Christmas on HTWOW. We're very excited. We hope you're excited because uh, we're getting back to our roots and uh, we're giving you the Christmas present that you didn't know you wanted, but you desperately need. Uh, speaking of which, you desperately need to become a patron. If you want extra HTL content, if you want more jams and more drunk us, but less talking, only the good stuff, uh, then please become a patron. Go to oldwaver.com and click on premium. Or if you go to patreon.com and search HTWOW, you can become a patron for as little as $5 a month and you get the HTWOW After Dark podcast. You get some stickers, you get a koozie. Uh, there are higher levels where you can get more stuff or you can just email me at uh, htwellpod at gmail.com and um, you know, I'll, I'll, hook, I'll hook you up with a scarf, scarf. or uh, some merch, whatever. We'll work it out. You know, I'll, I'll, I can't guarantee Christmas delivery or anything. No, there's no guarantees of anything. But uh, we appreciate all of you that support us throughout the year. Uh, the patrons make uh, all of what we do possible because we uh, reinvest uh, your generous patron donations into equipment to make this pod bigger and better. And uh, HTWOW is going to take over the world in 2022. I don't know. It's totally going to be our it. year. 2022. Yeah. And, uh, even years are kind of my years. So they kind of my years. Be ready for us to uh, do a live show I at mean, a venue 2020 was weird, but I see what you mean. Uh, well, that, no, yeah. one, no one counts 2020. Okay. But 2022, my year. My year. Um, also Toby's year, but the mostly my year. year of Dave. Uh, so please become a patron and um, tell a friend about HTL. And you know what? Have a Merry Christmas, you fucking bitches. Peace. <laughs> the way of teaking and get like old gas station signs. Right. Look at this golf sign. <laughs> when was the last time you saw a golf station? Man. Oh, yeah. Is that a drunk buyer? What? This will look perfect. Oh, you know that that big piece of fence in my back. I'm gonna put this. I'm gonna on put the... this golf sign on there. Sinclair. I mean, it's got a dinosaur it's got on a it. Dinosaur. Because dinosaurs died and turned into oil.
Merry Christmas, y'all. I mean, arguably my favorite band ever. I vacillate. You know, you have your your Mount Rushmore of of New Order, Depeche Mode, The Cure, and The Smiths. Right. That that I mean, I'm sure there are people who would maybe take one out and something else in. But for me, that's my new wave alternative Mount Rushmore. And I can kind of vacillate as to which one is my number one at any given point in time, but I would say that New Order has probably been my number one more than any other. Really? They're your number one. I get I don't it. Know. I don't know. I mean, I love the Smiths. I, I know. love the Peshmerga. I love the I love Cure. The Cure. I didn't love the Cure as much back then, but I love the Cure more now than I did. I know that we. Uh, Greg is the same way, and Manny used to be the same way, too. He would switch all the time. Yeah. It would be Depeche Mode, and you were, and then all of a sudden, it's like the cure's the thing. Yeah. Well, I know I know. towards the end uh, that Manny was kind of, uh, he had burned out on New Order, that he didn't even want to listen to New Order anymore. It was just, he's heard it way too much. Yeah, yeah. But we are going to focus this entire episode on New Order. This is not just a Toby book report. This is an HTWOW holiday special New Order edition. (laughs) So uh, we hope that you enjoy it. We thought it would be something kind of cool and fun to do. One, because um, it kind of, it's a show that programs itself. We don't have to think too hard about it. Yeah. I mean, and it's we, we have to wanna... we have to think because we have to narrow it down. There's way too many things we could play. Yeah. It's a good thing we have the after dark, um, and if you want to be a patron, you can be a patron. 
Yeah, it'll be in new order heavy with uh, side projects. Yeah, side projects and stuff. But still, we don't really have to think about that either. Yeah. We're getting a vacation here. Yeah, so we get to kind of uh, autopilot, but it's also super fun. And it's, um, you know, for for those of you who maybe have uh, thought we've been playing too much new stuff, and maybe you just want to go back and, and touch home base, you know, just let's recenter and get back to the basics for the holidays. This is for you. This makes sense. It totally makes sense. It's good at the end of the year to bring it all back. Bring it all back. So, um, I don't know. Well, okay. Before we jump into some New Order table talk and we, uh, we're going to take it a little bit chronologically um, as best we can. But before we do, let's... Um, do a little sponsor business. Yeah. Um, one thing that's very exciting is our HTWOW album of the month. And it's especially exciting because you can win yourself a Christmas gift of a brand new sealed vinyl copy of New Order Substance. <laughs> essential. Essential vinyl. I mean, if you're going to get one, there's a lot you can get. But yeah. that's a good one. But I mean, that's the, that's the double album of all the singles and all the B-sides from the 80s. Uh, that's came out in 87 and it's it's wall-to-wall bangers. Bangers. There is not a, a dud on that whole thing. How many thing. songs are on that monster? <sighs> Let me look. Rural quirk. Um uh disc 1 or album 1 12 tracks. Those are the singles. Mm-hmm. Then the B-sides, uh, 12 tracks as well. You can so. see why they called it... Substance. Substance. There's a lot There's of substance. A lot of meat on those bones, hey. you know what I mean? Um, so if you would like to win a vinyl copy of New Order Substance, go to our vinyl sponsor, PositiveSpin.com. Positive with a Z. Woo! And uh, look for the banner at the top that says HTWOW Album of the Month and click on it, give them an email address, and you have surprisingly good odds to win a brand new copy of Substance. So Let's go. Support uh, our wonderful sponsor and uh, win yourself something for Christmas. Yeah, a little Substance record for Christmas. And maybe do some uh, holiday shopping while you're there. I don't know. Maybe. I think they uh, they do like free shipping if you spend a hundo. You know what would be really nice for Christmas? What? HTWOW scarf. Yeah, those aren't for sale retail. But if you really want to buy one. You can't really buy one? Well, uh, they're in my closet right here. Well, that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, if you want an HTWOW scarf. Uh, scarf. I don't, I, I don't know. We'll shoot out a picture. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, htwpod at gmail.com If you want some, uh, if you want a uh, a chili bell shirt or uh, yeah. HTWOW scarf. I mean, oh, you should totally. Yeah, we gotta get, we gotta sell those. But you know, I'm looking at the scarf right now. It looks, it's a good looking scarf. Yeah, it it would make a, a music lover's Christmas come true. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that means. Uh, and then the other uh, sponsor that we need to say hello to. Um, I didn't actually visit them this month because uh, they gave us so much stuff last month. Uh, I speak of our friends at Good Friend Package. Um, Matt Tobin loaded us up with uh, giant magnum bottles of uh, crazy stuff. And so our first beer today 
is actually a barley wine. It's from Brooklyn Brewery. It's called Hand and Seal. I have not tasted it, but during the open, you did, and you. No, I didn't taste it. I smelled it. Oh, you it. smelled it. Well, mm hmm. Yeah, it, it, it kind of it... It tastes like mashed cherry, or smells like mashed cherries. Uh, did it turn? No. It it uh it tastes better than it smells. Oh. It's very smooth. <laughs> so this is a um it's, it tastes like I'm in medieval times. <laughs> yes. It's a barley wine style ale oh. aged in bourbon barrels. It is a uh 13.3%er. Mamacita. Would you like to hear the story? Always. In the 20th year of his reign, our brewmaster brought forth a new wonderment for the people. Barley wine-style ale, an old and once exclusive drink of the British nobility, would be produced here in Brooklyn. Brooklyn Brewing Team toiled to create a complex liquid with the rich flavors of flour-malted floor-malted barley shining through layers of vanilla, coconut, and floral notes provided by aging in casks of bourbon oak, culminating in a 100% bottle refermentation. Our hand and our seal is our promise to you of the deliciousness within. I mean, it's cloudy. Yeah. Um... You were the one who picked... We didn't have to well, drink this one, but you geez. picked the barley wine. I didn't know we were going to have to joust. <laughs> well, I mean, you probably believe that you were British nobility in a former life. Well, this is what they were drinking. Mm -hmm. This is what they had with their... Uh... Actually, you're right. It's really not that bad after like three or four... No, seconds. yeah. But you just got to get used to it. You gotta, you, it's, it's not a traditional beer flavor or texture or color <laughs> yeah it's like if you did travel back to medieval times you just need to get used to the smell right because everyone's gonna be just awful right they're all gonna have rot teeth mm -hmm. and incredible bo a lot of open sores yeah i feel like there'll be a lot of open like sores. a lot of a lot of pus a lot of bad feet yeah so you're just yeah when you're amongst the British nobility. You just have to. Uh, you just have to suck it up. You got to suck it up. You just got to. Uh, you got to drink. Play a by lot. the rules. You drink gotta, a lot of these. You won't even care. Yeah, drink the barley wine and make out with a girl with sores on her face. Barley wine. More barley wine. More barley wine. More buckets of barley wine, please. Mm. Winch. No, that's more of a pirate thing. Is it? I don't know. All right, so we took care of sponsors and we took care of the beer. So now we can get into uh, New Order. And I feel like um, everybody knows that New Order sprang from the ashes of Joy Division. But then every once in a while, like, you know, I'll tweet something or I'll talk to somebody and they'll be like, I had no idea. Yeah. I mean, why would the youngins know? I guess not. Yeah. So and they um, didn't do a ton of stuff. I mean, I know they're buying their shirts at Urban Outfitters, but they don't know what band that is. Yeah. So if you uh, if you are a youngin or uh, if you do not have a, a full grasp on 
the history of New Order. Um, yeah, Joy Division, the uh, seminal post-punk band from uh, Manchester in the 70s. Uh, they were about to embark on their first tour of America. Mm-hmm. This was, uh, was this 1980? 79 or 80, right? It was 79 or 80. I, I should probably pull it up uh, here in a minute. But uh, yeah, on the eve of their tour, Ian Curtis, the singer of Joy Division, hung himself in his kitchen. Yes. And uh, so... Because he had a he had a problem with seizures. Yeah, he, he had epilepsy and uh, I guess that they were getting worse. His seizures were getting worse. I think the more nervous the more it would happen kind of thing. And right, so he yeah, was it was kind of like snowballing, and so he was afraid that he would... Happen on stage or something. Yeah, he would go, and they would have their first show in New York, and he would have an epileptic fit, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it was kind of a secret. Like, yeah. His close friends knew, the bandmates knew, but other people didn't, and so he was very ashamed of it. And, uh, yeah, so he... Took his own life uh, out of fear or shame or whatever. Who knows? And uh, so afterwards, the rest of the band had to figure out, well, are they going to carry on as Joy Division or are they going to keep making music at all? Who's going to be the singer? Who's going to be the singer? And so what they ended up doing is uh, the three uh, dudes that were in Joy Division uh, with Ian uh, decided to carry on and they brought on... Gillian Gilbert, who was uh, Stephen Morris's girlfriend, who the makes, drummer, who makes the band. Yeah, and so she plays a little bit of keyboards, a little bit of guitar, a little guitar at first, and I think she does it every now and then live now. Or she doesn't go anymore, does she? I think she left the band uh, before the last record. I think. Or after the last record. Yeah, I think it was one of those things. She kind of comes back and goes whenever she wants. But right. there's no hard feelings. She just kind of doesn't want to do it sometimes. Right. So, Which makes sense. But yeah, her her whole feeling on everything changes the whole vibe. Of yeah. So she brought a, a, a brightness to the band. She brought uh, a more, uh, I guess, danceable. Almost more pop. Yeah, a more pop vibe. It took a while to get there because because on the first record as New Order, which came out like eight months after which is insane. Ian Curtis died, like yeah. they just, you know, it's one of those things. Like you need to, if if you're grieving, sometimes you just need to take your mind off it, and you just need to stay busy. Mm-hmm. And so they just jumped right into, well, we're we're gonna uh, we're we're not gonna be Joy Division. We're gonna create this new band, and we're gonna call it New Order, mm-hmm. which is great. And we're going to add uh, Gillian to the band. And they put out movement um, within eight months of Ian Curtis's death. Mm-hmm. But as you said, they couldn't figure out who was going to sing. Because on movement, uh, most of the songs are, are sung by Bernard. or Bernard. I, I like to call him Bernard. Uh, Bernard Sumner. Um, but then a couple of the songs are sung by Peter Hook, the bassist. Mm-hmm. And, but they both kind of sound the same because they both sound like they're trying to they're do trying Ian to do Curtis. Ian, which, if you're going to pick a singer, <laughs> it's funny that they picked him because his voice is... Yeah, Ian Curtis is not your prototypical frontman no, at all. No, he is not a crooner. No. But um, cool voice, but uh, not Acquired for, taste. Yeah, uh, so a couple of records later, they kind of 
Bernard, Bernard kind of gets into his own thing. And that's when it really gets going. Yeah. So um, we... We wanted to start from the beginning. There's so much to play, and there's so much that, as we said, that we're not going to get to. And the whole history of it. If you want to really know it and have a funny movie, 24-Hour Party People pretty much tells the story. Yeah, it's not all about New Order. It's it's about the Manchester or Madchester scene. But yeah. New Order is a key player. Because they it. were part of the label and everything. Yeah. So it makes it's it's a very good watch. Yeah, so if you've never seen 24-Hour Party People, what, what is the Coogan... Um, After we do uh, the 101 filming, uh -huh. the then next th one needs to be 24-hour okay. party. Right. I mean, come on. It's everybody. Right. What is the... I mean, at the end, they say, you really should have signed the Smith. It's genius. What, what is... Uh, that Steve Coogan. Steve Coogan. Yeah, Steve, Steve Coogan. Coogan. Yeah. yeah. He's um, a genius. He is so good. Um, yeah, so... If, if you want a primer on that whole scene, 24-hour uh, party people is great. Um, and uh, we, we can talk about this uh, after the song, but um, I also have a DVD of uh, their first show in New York as New Order. DVD. Um, so after Movement came out, they finally did tour America, mm -hmm. but they had no idea what they were doing. Oh, it shows on the thing. I've seen that before. It's yeah, awesome. and it's, I mean, it's just kind of like when you're watching... Um, when you're watching Get Back, if you've watched the the Beatles thing on Disney Plus, I'm having to save that because, and I talked to we played with the Shiny Ribs last night, uh -huh. and I was talking to the backup singer, and she was talking me into it because I was like, sometimes things are a little too close to, like arguments in the studio with band stuff. I don't know if I want to sit through that because there's, yeah, but it's it's, it's weird. It's, so there's much. not a, there's not a lot of arguing. Well, that's what she was saying. She was like, no, it's fine. I know what you mean. I've recorded a bunch of records where it goes, get things get kind of dark too. It's not like that. And I was like, okay. So she talked me into it. Yeah. But if, as you're watching uh, Get Back and you're watching these songs like form in front of your eyes, right? You're, you're watching the songwriting process. You're watching, uh, you know, this legendary band create in front of you. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the sense that you get in a in a different way, but watching the the shows of early New Order because they are really figuring it out on stage. Mm -hmm. And it's also cool when they show um, in documentaries and things like that that practice space they had that loft. Uh huh. I think they even filmed a video in there at some point, but it had like all the scratchings on the door before they open it up and you. Oh go yeah, in that there. was the Level Terrace Apart video. Oh, is that what that is? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, going yeah. up the stairs and then yeah, the door. Yeah, it's so cool. Um, so yeah, then when New Order gets going and they're in that same space, I guess it's cool looking. I'd love to know where that was. And right, range. that'd be cool. So they they really are struggling at this point. And if you've never listened to Movement, but you you think you know who New Order is or <laughs> what New Order is supposed to sound like, Movement will definitely throw you for a loop. And we, we need to make a decision because, like I said, there's so many things we could play. And so we, we put down two songs that we could play here in this first slot. One is Dreams Never End, which is the uh, lead track off of movement and the, the most well-known song off of movement. Or we could play Temptation, which is on substance. Temptation was 
I think it started out as a Joy Division song, um, but it was released as a single uh, around the era of movement. It wasn't on movement because at that time they had the the punk rock mm-hmm. aesthetic of, you know, we don't put singles on records because we don't want to make our fans buy the same song twice. Yeah, they tried their hardest to never sell a record. Right, they, they tried yeah. really hard to be inaccessible. Yeah. And always bands that do that seem to sell the most. <laughs> right. So I, I don't know. Should we should we play Dreams Never End or should we play Temptation? Let's play Dreams. Let's play that one. Play, okay. Is that the earlier one? I, I mean, they, they're around the same time. I don't know. I think they probably, at least the, the, the single version of Temptation probably isn't the same one that they recorded during the movement sessions. But right. I think there is a version of Temptation from the Movement Sessions. All right, well, let's play this one because this is a good way to kick it off. Yeah, okay, so we'll play Dreams Never End. We'll play Temptation on the After Dark. Sure. Um, But yeah, so I believe this is Bernard, but again, trying to sound like Ian. And um, it's, I mean, there's, I guess there's synthesizers in it, but it's it's very much a post-punk guitar-based song. Mm -hmm. They're figuring it out. Not what you expect. But awesome all the same. This is Dreams Never End from Movement on HTWOW.
so simple, so pure, and so good. So simple, so pure, so delicious, so delicious. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, and uh, I was telling you during the 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 playback as we were listening. I can't remember where it was that I saw it was some documentary or maybe maybe it was because uh, they just did a um, uh, like a 40 year anniversary of movement uh-huh because it came out in 81 and um, so maybe it was in one of those little YouTube videos or something that I was watching but they were talking about how they, they had a very uh, predictable structure of like verse guitar line uh, verse guitar line chorus solo <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. because Bernard wasn't confident singing and playing at the same time mm-hmm. so he would like you know strum the rhythm parts and sing and then as soon as the verse was over then meow, 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 meow. well that was early cure Right, you know, when they were, especially when they ended up just being the three piece almost for a while, and and the, I mean, Robert, he didn't want to play all that crap, and while he was singing, right, so it was just wait, then play the ditty, play mm-hmm. little ditty, all right, back to the boys right. don't cry thing, or right, right, yeah, so it totally makes sense. It's very punky. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they've never, they've never been. <clears throat> uh, Renowned as the best musicians in the world, no, and <clears throat> not even the not good, great singers. Just no, nothing. and they're all they're all self-taught, you know. Especially Peter Hook. I mean, the reason that he plays the bass so weird is because that's how he but taught ma- himself to play. Yeah, but makes him one of the best bass players in the world because he has no idea what he's doing. It's right, awesome. Yeah, like you said, when when you first were starting out. Like you, you didn't know music theory or I didn't know anything. Yeah, you were just doing whatever sounded yeah. cool, and then Todd would say, "Well, keep doing what you're doing because if if you knew what you were doing, you wouldn't play that." But <laughs> that's what's cool about it. Yeah, because I'm keyboard player playing guitar, and I had no idea anything I was playing. But you know, play what sounds good. Right. Yeah. So I mean, they, they, they really are a self-made band. Mm-hmm. And sometimes but they're, but they're also visionary. Yeah, but sometimes your limitations make it easier to do things because you don't know how ridiculous it is. So it makes it interesting. Right. You know what I mean? So they can just, they have no theory in their head. They don't care. So they just do whatever they think sounds good. They're not thinking about the circle of fifths or no, whatever. And they'll put like a frog in the song. Right. Let's put a frog noise right there. You know, it makes no sense. <laughs> or, or as Manny's uh, dad would say, why are crickets in this song? <laughs> he sent me two, two pictures this morning. I'll show you later, but he's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> he's sending me bits. He's sending me jokes. All right. All right. That's funny. You, you, guys, you guys are uh, on, on that level now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's probably four or five times a week. Awesome. Yeah, we, get, we have things. Yeah, so... I I don't know I don't know at what point things really pivoted for New Order but I think from what I remember seeing it really did coincide with visiting the states and uh, primarily 
going out to clubs in New York City. Yeah, I think that that, that, that helped out a lot. So after Movement comes out and they, they tour the U.S., I'm sure they did not play very many dates, probably just a handful on the yeah. eastern seaboard. Um, but they did spend a good amount of time in New York City going to Studio 54 and whatever the hot club of the time was um, where they had like nude leprechauns, mud wrestling. Um, But I think um, that the club scene and seeing the uh, visceral response of people to music on the dance floor really sparked something in their Mm -hmm. minds like, hey, you know, we don't have to do the same post-punk thing that we've been doing all this time. Cause they, you know, like levels tear, level tears apart. And there's a, a number of things, um, on, uh, still the last, uh, joy division record that had synthesizers. So they were, they were starting to experiment. Yeah. They were leaning in a direction, but I don't know if joy division would have ever gone to the drum machine thing. No. And I think that that's when New Order really makes the move and how cool the drummer is to let this happen of he really liked drum machine. You know, they programmed that stuff out with like sheets of paper and laid all this stuff out and hooked all those keyboards out to make them perfect because before that, they're just playing things by hand and then all of a sudden... They figure out how to do sequences. How to hold down one note and it goes... You know, because they programmed it out and they're, you know, they were one of the first to really master that thing. That was the thing is that they were all of of a like mind because they all were like studio rats and they were like gear nerds Mm -hmm. and they liked figuring stuff out and they liked playing with stuff and inventing new patches and mm-hmm. new sequencers and yeah, whatever. And if his girlfriend is, um, Gillian. Yeah. Think about them sitting around with, she's getting new synthesizers and stuff. They're probably at the house doing crazy shit all the time. Right. And then Bernard comes around and they're like, how are we doing this? You know, it's awesome. And they have a little bit of money now too. So they can buy, you can buy the synthesizer, the new whatever, and the emulator and, really make things happen so as we mentioned movement comes out in 81 they spend time in america they spend time in new york i think they actually had like a extended uh stay like where they were recording in new york Mm -hmm. um and then album two comes out in 83 and that is like that's where Joy Division is officially like all of those dead leaves, you know, mm-hmm. like the, or the dead skin is all molted off. And when Power Corruption and Lies comes out, that is fully formed new mm-hmm. order. I would like to know the day or what practice that when he started singing the way he normally sings or just on accident somewhere he was doing something and they all just went, dude, you should just sing... Like yeah, that. why? Why, why like, are you? Why are you, why are you trying to sing down here? Yeah. Like, use your natural voice. Yeah, you're this guy. Yeah. Like, be this dude. Not, know. not that it's a better singing voice. It is but it's, not. But it fits better. <laughs> yeah, it's the same out of tune, but in a different range. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, 
we we also debated on this one as to whether or not we wanted to uh, play a, a non-album single or if we wanted to play the jam from the record. And once again, we got to play the jam of play the, the record. Jam. So much like Movement, we played Movement track one. We're going to play Power Corruption and Lies track one, Age Perfect. of Consent. It's the one. You've heard, even if you didn't know this was New Order, you've heard it a billion times. Yeah. They play it in freaking supermarkets now. <laughs> But it's Which is insane. it is one of uh, the greatest New Order jams of all time, one of the greatest keyboard lines of all time, and it really just sets them off on the trajectory that made them crossover superstars in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Really? I mean... Do you think this one was the one? Well, for our kind of group. Yeah, I mean, you had I, to be I, into this. Kind I of wasn't. Music. I didn't become aware of them until later. But I'm just. I'm saying mm. that this is what sent them on that trajectory to this become st- what they became. This was starting to be played in clubs and things like right, that. right. But and yeah, that was their goal. Like, yeah. uh, they they were like, let's let's be a club band. Let's mm-hmm. screw playing live. Let's play stuff that people want to dance to. Yeah, I mean, that's what was going on in Manchester. Right. It was right in front of them. So let's play it. Let's kick it down. This is track one off of Power Corruption Lies. This is Age of Consent on HTWOW. Merry Christmas.
quick little fade. <laughs> they got out of there. Yeah. Now, yeah. who's recording that? Is that Martin Hannett doing that? Oh, man. Let me look it up. Hold I don't, on. Let's get I don't it right. know if it is at that Let's point. Let's get it right. Let's get it right. Because I know he drops off eventually. Um, As we said before we got into it, it it's, it's the pivot point mm-hmm. for New Order. So you still have live drums. You still have guitar. But you have very the very prominent keyboard line mm-hmm. and you have Bernard finding his voice. And can you imagine that just the looks like everybody's sitting there in the control room when he goes, Oh yeah. Like everybody's like, what? Yeah. What are you doing? Evidently this, uh, power corruption and lies was self-produced. Yeah. I knew eventually, you know, even in the 24-hour party people, remember Bernard is in there with a lot of bands that uh, the label's recording. Mm-hmm. He ends up doing a lot of stuff. So I could see that, sure. I mean, they have the money at this point. Right. How much money do you think they have at this point? Like, just because we think that those songs... I mean, uh, Blue Monday hasn't come out yet. No. Not that they made any money off of it, because they... <laughs> remember. Well, did Blue Monday come out before or after uh, Power Corruption and Lies? Surely it was after. Because the, because the village is on Power Corruption and Lies, which is like the the instrumental version of Blue Monday. It has to be after, right? I mean, because I'm going to have to look up now. Because it's the whole, that's when they go total synthy, everything. Yeah. And, and, and you remember and, that's the one that they lost money on everything they sold because of how expensive the... Yeah, because the, the <laughs> sleeve to the 12-inch was die-cut to it's, look like a floppy disk. It had too many colors on it. Yeah. Yeah. We're it's, losing yeah. 5P on every single one of these we sell. Yeah. <laughs> they have a whole thing on the packaging on the uh, the wiki. Uh, but, on um, Blue Monday? Yeah. Because remember the artist was famous for like showing up with the posters for the show the day after the show? And they would be like, it's a good looking post. Yeah, looks great. It looks, looks great. great. Show was last night. It looks <laughs> Yeah. But it looks Thanks. good. No, that's good. Okay, so um Blue Monday was released March seventh of eighty-three. Uh and Power Corruption and Lies was released May second of eighty-three. So Blue Monday actually came out a couple months before huh. Power Corruption and Lies. I would have I wouldn't have bet on that for So sure. yeah, well we're gonna play Blue Monday next. Uh, so I guess we're playing it out of order. Anyways. Um, yeah, I I go back and forth on what my favorite New Order record is. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it's technique just because I think that's when I really in real time fully was invested in New Order. That's when you got into it? Yeah, and that's, you know, that's prime of my life, high school years, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's probably Power Corruption and Lies. I think it might be my favorite. Low Life is great, too. Front to cover. But no, they do, uh, yeah, all of those. I mean, it's hard to pick. Yeah, it really is. When I was younger, it definitely, I used to flip-flop back and forth all the time. But I think I think it might be Power Corruption and Lies. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it has the iconic cover. Um, With the flowers. Yeah, so it's uh, uh, Peter Seville. Um, is that how you pronounce his name? Mm. Seville? Seville? Sevilla. 
Um, so he is their frequent collaborator on uh, their graphic stuff. Um, and so it has the, uh, you know, the, uh, it's a painting called A Basket of Roses by some French artist. Um, it's part of uh, London's National Gallery. But then he puts like a kind of like a color code up in the top right corner. It's like a mashup of like classic art and technology that doesn't make sense, but it, it it's perfect sense in, in my mind. I, I just love it so much. Yeah, it's awesome. Anyways, okay, so we're gonna um, we're gonna get more into uh, New Order as they become uh, unlikely pop superstars, uh, and as I said, we'll play Blue Monday, mm-hmm. their most iconic song here in just a bit. But we do want to uh, talk a little bit about stuff we teased on the November episode of HT Wow because uh, we teased that we were going to have a very epic Friendsgiving and we we certainly did and so I think we can kind of I don't know that there's a whole lot to talk about of uh, our actual Friendsgiving like our our belated turkey day we'll send out the pick I mean the pick says it all yeah so we can talk about that after Blue Monday but in this segment I wanted to talk about the experience of going to the Cowboy game, watching Cowboy Raiders, um, and sitting in the seats that my wife was able to snake, as it were, from the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Those seats were amazing. Behind the behind the Raiders bench, um, because we had a big group, there were ended up being eight of us, and so four of us were sitting kind of uh, right at the 50, maybe 12 rows up, and then you and uh, three of our other friends were at about the 40, mm-hmm. and you were maybe 20 rows up. Right. So we could see each other. We could wave. Yeah, hey. And then at the end, in the fourth quarter, we ended up consolidating because a bunch of people had left, and so you guys came and sat with us. Well, but- we also, um, you could tell if someone got up to get a drink, we were like, oh, Dave's going up there. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. So it was like, it was easy to go up to, because we had a really good bar behind us up there. Yeah, so we were in the, I guess, the the 100 level, so... It's the Hall of Fame club. Yeah, right and there. so we didn't have access to the super swanky club. I thought maybe we would get like... Where uh, Kirk plays? Yeah, I, yeah. Thought, I thought maybe we would get um, like Thanksgiving buffet. Sure. There was none of that. They were tickets and no like special privileges beyond the tickets. But uh-huh. at least the that 100 level, you have your dedicated concession areas, your bars, like full service bars where you can get liquor and stuff. And you have your own restroom for that section. Right. And so only people that sit in those sections can access this concourse. And so it makes things pretty quick to uh take care of business it's posh yeah and so every every break like at the end of a quarter and at halftime we would all convene and uh talk about what was the the insane 
things that we were watching on the field and everyone was like, it's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. fine. But it was also the, uh, what was happening all around us. It was chaos. Yeah. It had been a long time since I had been to a Thanksgiving game and it was lit. Everybody, everybody was ready to party. And the game was so long that everyone yeah, it was like got a four hour game. It went to overtime. So that, yeah, I think Norm ended up saying that was four hours and 10 minutes. Yeah. Which that's insane. So everyone is just tanked. Yes. So we, uh, we didn't get out there as, as early as I had hoped because there were just so many moving parts, everybody having to kind of, I was coming in from out you of were, town. Yeah, you were coming in from College Station. Everybody was convening at, at our house. And we had, uh, you know, our brother and sister-in-law uh, and and their their uh, kiddo. New, new baby. New baby. They were in uh, and staying with us. And at the last minute, they both decided that they just, they didn't want to take the baby to the game. And... They kept on debating back and forth. Well, you should go. No, you should go. And so finally, they both decided to stay home. Yeah, they could not have taken that baby. It was too long. No, yeah, that yeah. It would have been, would have been, been a nightmare. Pissed. And so they they made the right choice. Uh, but we had to scramble and try and find uh, two extras, and we ended up finding one. We had to eat one ticket. Um, and so by the time everybody got to my house, and then we got out to the stadium. We didn't have time to like full on tailgate or do anything crazy. So we had like a beer in the parking lot and then we walked in and wanted to case out our situation, see if we got free Thanksgiving buffet, which we didn't. <laughs> yeah. And so the the fact that it was a uh, full bar really set us off because there were a lot of uh, double Tito's and soda and then maybe some uh, some tequila shots that were going down. And no food. Yeah. It, <laughs> I think I ate half of a, a sandwich. I, I bought a, a hot dog for Marissa that she didn't touch. We did have a, a, a thing of community nachos, but there was nowhere... T- they didn't have any tables or anything in the concourse, so uh, <laughs> our, fr- our friend Craig... Was uh, was the the tall boy table, just with his palm <laughs> out know. holding up the nachos for everyone to eat, which is really out of place for him. Yeah. He's not nacho guy. No, but yeah, we all dug into the nachos, and that at least gave us a little bit of a base. Yeah, I had one or two of those, and Katie made me eat one bite of her hot dog because she saw me looking at it. She was like, "Just eat it," and shoved it in my mouth, and I was like, "I don't want." Oh god. Well, it's good. It's yeah. Good. Tasty. So catch me up to speed because you, uh, on your row, it was you and our friend Dale and our friend Craig and then our late Hansen. addition, our friend Mike. Yeah. So we had a, uh, it was a little bit more, uh, the people around us, a lot of Raiders fans. Yeah. Cause we were on the Raiders sideline. Yeah. And, um, there was a fight between... We couldn't tell what the problem was, but people got, somebody got, they got real mad at each other. And I don't even know if security came and took anybody away. There was like a breakup of it and that was it. But the worst thing, did you see the old guy fall down? No. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think you guys talked about it, but I don't remember. Yeah, it was, 
in the fourth quarter, I think. Like he ate it on the stairs? Something like, I don't think it was really on the stairs. I think he might have just sort of passed out. And sat back up when they sat him back up, and he had like a baseball on the top of his head. I mean, it was swole up up there, and everyone was like, oh, no. But I don't think the paramedics came or anything like that. I don't remember any of it, but I don't remember a lot. Yeah. After halftime, Craig and I just kept going, have we been here for nine hours? Like, I don't know. (laughs) And they never stopped. Usually, isn't there a cutoff with drinking? Well, they they did cut it off, I think, in the fourth quarter. Did they? Yeah. Okay, maybe we just didn't need any more because I was just like, I don't remember ever being cut off. It was crazy. But yeah, the tequila shot at a Cowboys game, maybe that's not the move. (laughs) I heard that Dale made best friends with his next door neighbor on the row. These Raiders fans, we we didn't talk to Dale pretty much the whole game. He had other friends (laughs) the whole time. And Craig kept going, is he ever going to? And I was like, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Dale's made new friends. He'll tell us about it later. So on our row, so it was me and Marissa and Taylor and Katie. And um, we similarly surrounded by Raiders fans. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm wearing my uh, my throwback uh, Staubach jersey, yeah, yeah, yeah. which I got a text from... Um, from my brother-in-law right as the game was about to kick off like i just saw you on tv (laughs) i went back and looked it's like when they're doing like the the opening kind of scene set you know and uh uh nance and romo are talking and they're doing kind of like the 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 sweeping pan of the stands and they have the graphic of (laughs) happy thanksgiving raiders cowboys and you see my bright royal blue 12 <laughs> walking down the steps trying to find my seats um do you have a beer oh yeah yeah i had a, i had a beer and a tray of food that didn't get eaten yes i mean i you know it's not like close up i'm like uh-huh. just amongst the crowd right. but you, i i stand out because i'm i have a giant yeah, head and a, blue. and a blue jersey um and so we we are surrounded by raiders fans pretty uneventful for the most part but there's one guy that's in my ear, like right behind me the whole game, like, and always commenting on stuff, always commenting. And man, I, I'm, for the most part, it's not annoying, but it's, every once in a while, I'm like, man, I just, I, I want to say something. I want to say something. Mm-hmm. And there was one point in the game where there was a, um, like kind of a unnecessary roughing, um, uh, like a targeting call mm-hmm. and uh and he was like oh come on let him play and then they they show the the replay on the the giant jerry vision and he was like yeah okay you know because <laughs> it's totally helmet to helmet <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and so and so i turn around that was my my invitation to turn around i was like yeah and and i look and i was like oh shit that's tim brown <laughs> Former Raider great. Yeah. And so uh, I turn around and I was like, oh, shit. Hey, Tim. Uh And I just stuck out my hand to shake his hand. And he was like, hey. Hey, dude. Nice to see you. And then, you know, to try and not make it awkward, I was like, uh, uh, you know, hey, this is my wife, Marissa Stabler. Uh Just to at least give him some context as to why we're sitting right in front of him uh-huh. and that 
We're not going to kidnap you. That even though I'm wearing a Staubach jersey, that that yeah, that I'm not I'm not going to harass him, and that there there's someone that he might want to talk to other than me right. in our group. And so yeah, then they start talking, and then um, he's talking about uh, his buddy. He's got a I think. Maybe he had a son. There was a young guy with him, and then he had uh, another guy that was one of his friends from high school. Oh, dang! And um, and he was, you know, introducing them to uh, Marissa and Katie, and uh, and he was like, "Yeah, this is this is my buddy from high school," and um, and Katie's like, uh, "Oh, you you guys went to Woodrow? I went to Woodrow!" And so they bonded over that. <laughs> And so it was crazy that we were just, you know, hanging with Tim, Tim Brown, Brown for the, the second half That's of the game. Crazy. It's crazy. I can't believe you recognized him. Oh, it, yeah. I mean, no one else did. I yeah, mean, he yeah. was He was just anonymous the entire game. Well, but, even when y'all show me uh, the pictures and are even just kind of like, hey, man, look behind us. When we went over there or whatever, I was just kind of like, yeah, I would not have recognized him. I mean, I can't believe you nailed that right away. Yeah, I don't know why, but I just as soon as I turned around, I was like, "Oh my god, that's Tim Brown." That's so funny. I love it, Dave. We had the best time. I uh it was a long day. Yeah. And then we came back and uh had more drinks here. <laughs> yeah, we we I felt bad um because you know, my brother and sister-in-law and and their baby. Mhm. They had a, you know, they went to Central Market and got some to-go Thanksgiving. Good. Like a last minute, um, like just figuring out how to spend the holiday. Sure. At our house without anybody else here. And so after the game, we all get back here and, you know, there's a few uh, people that splinter off, but then the core group are are just, we're still ready to talk about everything that just happened and Uh have more drinks. Yeah. We like to rehash. And, and. So the next morning, I I was like, I'm very sorry for the parade of drunks that was uh, hopefully not keeping you up. And they're like, oh, we didn't hear a thing. I'm sure they did. Oh, thank God. Well, we were in the kitchen. We would kind of, when things got a little, we we were all like, there's a baby. There's a baby. Shh, there's a baby upstairs. There's a baby. But we did the best we could. We did. We Mm -hmm. did. And, you know, even though... uh, the Cowboys got robbed by the officials, and and they lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a fantastic, it's amazing day. Uh, eternal thanks to my wife and to the Raiders. Um, yeah, that uh, Taylor and I were talking about. It. They're like, you miss Thanksgiving, but you can't pass that up. You don't get a chance to do. The Cowboys aren't going to play the Raiders all the time. No, this is just the way it is. Yeah, it was a special matchup. It's special. It was special. It's special piece. Okay, so we'll talk a little bit more about uh, the Friendsgiving that occurred uh, the next day. Um, but let's get back into our New Order Christmas special. Get back. So, Blue Monday comes out a couple months before Power, Corruption, and Lies. I guess so. I would have never guessed that. But um, it is famously the best-selling 12-inch single of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, it lives on to this day because there was a, a remix of it in the uh, Wonder Woman 1984 movie. 
and there's currently a remix of it in the uh, Sony PlayStation ad. Okay. Have you seen the Sony PlayStation ad? No, I saw the Wonder Woman movie too. I do not remember it. But I, guess... I don't know if it was in the movie, but it was in uh, all the trailers. Okay. Maybe it, maybe it was in the uh, like the end credits or something. It's probably in it. It's called 1984. Um, yeah, and you know the the PlayStation ad. It's you know, it's like kind of, um, it's kind of like. A, I don't know. It's based on chess. It's like, you know, like this woman who is like, you know, uh, like a pawn or, you know, Mm -hmm. like a lower level player. But she finally ends her way up into the tower and then she takes the crown from the king. But the whole the whole thing is soundtracked with a remix of Blue Monday Mm -hmm. and they add a bunch of strings to it. And it sounds epic. It sounds awesome. Cool. So love that uh, they're still getting paid off this. It, it, it was single DJs loved it in the 80s because it was the one if you needed to take a bathroom break throw on Blue Monday and you're good yeah. you can go get a drink you can do I mean this thing lasted I mean there were versions of it that went whole sides of re- it was crazy right so in the in the UK uh, mentioned that it is the best selling 12 inch of all time it in all formats in all releases, all versions, it has sold 1.16 million copies. Um, and like you just talked about with DJs, so the the uh, original um, purpose of Blue Monday was it was supposed to be their uh, encore. Okay. Like they, they wanted a song to where they could just hit a button and play it out and they could like walk off the stage mm-hmm. and that's the end of the show. And so it's, you know, like we said, <laughs> this is the introduction of drum machines. Uh-huh. And this is program keyboards, no guitars or uh, if it is atmospheric, it's yeah, 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 atmospheric guitars. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you you definitely have the bass guitar, the you lead, the lead part. His, yeah, because but it's almost a keyboard part. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean it's. Yeah. Okay. So here it says the band stated that the song was written in response to crowd disappointment at the fact that they never played encores. The song was planned to allow them to return to the stage, press play on a synthesizer, and leave the stage again. <laughs> but, <laughs> but then, while they were writing the song, it evolved uh, into. Uh, a project that they liked and they they were like okay well this is more than just like a show closing jam this is like a single this could be a hit mm-hmm. and they were right yeah they were right it's so good what are you looking up <laughs> well I'm, I'm looking up um, what you were talking about about <laughs> losing money on everyone they yeah they they lost five pence per sleeve mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> due to the die cut of trying to make it look like a floppy disk yeah he put every single color you could get on there and they just went uh i mean huge art when you're on interscope and you turn in the album cover they'll go yeah we can't go over four colors you know, like that doesn't make any sense. Like, right. why would we do that? So, <laughs> New Order does it and put every single color you could possibly do, and it's only on the corner of the thing, so it's pointless. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, it, 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 it steals the same kind of color coding from <laughs> the cover of Power Corruption and Lies, except it goes down the whole spine. The whole thing. And yeah, it's like every color of, of the rainbow. <laughs> it's the most expensive cut of anything. It's so dumb. But it makes sense that artists is like, well, that's what it is. Yeah, okay. it's, it's the future. It's a floppy disk. We won't sell any of these anyway, so uh, let's go ahead and do it. And then it shoots, to the, and they end up losing money <laughs> on the best-selling 12-inch of all time. Uh, so a couple things to listen for as we play this. If, if you uh, have heard this a million times, as many of us have, it, even though I've heard it a million times, it never gets old. It never gets I, old. I, this is a, I will never punch out on this song if, if I ever hear it. I mean, you've heard it at a dance club a million times, and the second this one comes on was a... It's a dance floor filler. It was the banger. Yeah, but uh, a couple things to listen for if you're wanting to listen to it again for the first time. Um, uh, they they talk about uh, that uh, a lot of the song was stolen from a Donna Summer song called Our Love. Mm-hmm. Um, and that... Uh, the bass line is stolen from um, Sylvester's You Make Me Feel Mighty Real. Mm-hmm. Um, and that uh, that Hook's bass part uh, was derived from uh, an uh, uh, Ennio Morricone soundtrack uh, for a few dollars more. Yeah, that's kind of a stretch, right? Yeah. But, you know, it's like they took all of these disparate influences and threw it into a blender and turned on a sequencer and this is the magic that came out so let's listen to it this is blue monday the highest selling 12 inch single of all time on h2l
Man. I don't care what anyone says. I don't care who you are. Um, that's a jam. I mean, I'm not too sure, even with computers, even how people can do anything you want right now, I don't know if anyone could do that. There's so much happening. Yeah. And you have to make, and it's so hard with like a dance song to make the words cool. I mean, at one point he goes, now I stand here waiting. And then doesn't say anything. (laughs) (laughs) He just stopped singing. I do remember hearing at one point that maybe it was on this song that uh, uh, because they weren't the best lyricists again, mm-hmm. like they weren't the best at a lot of things, yeah. but that uh, they would do like the pull the lyrics out of a hat. The Eno thing. Yeah. Yeah. That they would just put random words mm-hmm. on scraps of paper and put them into a hat and then pull random words out. Yeah. That, uh, it's called something. Brian Eno invented that. It's called something mm-hmm. that they would just have phrases and pull things out, and or somebody they'd leave a typewriter out and just people would come in and write just different things down, and then that would just be the song. That would be the lyric sheet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I did say earlier uh, that the instrumental version is the village. It's the beach. Oh, okay. the beach is the the B side of the single and also appears on power corruption and lies. He mentions the beach. Yes, he does. Um, I went down <clears throat> to the beach. A couple of, uh, things just in reading over the wiki that, uh, are interesting enough to mention anyways. Um, so I guess, I guess you, it's obvious, but you might not think about it that there's, there's no chorus. It's just verses. Yeah. It's just verses with some instrumental breakdowns in between. They weren't bad at doing the the chorus is the music. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need words in a chorus necessarily. Yeah, they just kind of get to the point that where they can play the little cool synthy string sound, and that's the chorus. Right. And then um, also the, uh, the, oh, you know, the mm-hmm. kind of the weird chorus the thing. mellotron awe thing yeah, yeah. That, that that's a sample of Kraftwerk's uranium <laughs> um and, and how many people were sampling stuff like right that? it wasn't you know and uh, you were talking about during uh the playback as we were listening um the the fact that back before pro tools back before any kind of electronic editing mm-hmm. when you're just triggering stuff and you're having to time it all out that it's all mathematics mm-hmm. that you know you're counting out measures you're counting out and yeah. making sure that things line up yeah for the first 16 it's going to be this then we add the hi-hat same pattern but with hi-hat on it and right. then the next whatever and then there's going to be the break boom for just two measures and then back in different beat doom doom and then back into the right i mean you had to plan all that stuff out so uh, in the wiki, they talk about how you know it, it opens with the drum machine, um, but then the the first bit that comes in is a uh, sequenced uh, melody that Gillian Gilbert programmed, uh, but it's out of sync with the beat because she forgot to input a note, uh, and then they just kept it. They kept it. 
Jesus. It's just all those things just add up to the genius of just even their mistakes are cool. Yeah, the accidental awesomeness. Oh, they're so great. That's the ne- next name of our band. Accidental awesomeness. What accidental awesomeness. We wrote this. We wrote this on accident. <laughs> oh, man. I know, it's so good. I want to listen to it again. Can we just play it again? Let's drink our other beer. Yeah, okay. It's time for beer number two. I think we're late on this. I got to tell you, I I wimped out on the first beer. I mean, you see it sitting there. Oh, my God. You had like two sips. I know. I went to other beers. <laughs> you couldn't handle the barley mm, wine. I couldn't handle the mead. Well, be careful because <laughs> that, that, that's like right by your hard drive and your laptop. I'll move it. I got yeah, you to don't want, move You don't it, want move. barley wine ruining Christmas. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah, so we're moving on to uh, something a little easier drinking. Uh, this is from Altstadt Brewery in Fredericksburg, Texas. It is uh, a German brewery. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess similar to Shiner. Yeah, but I like their vibe. They kept the whole... Uh, I mean, it looks German. Yeah, they got the coat of arms. It's almost got- like an Austrian thing. Yeah, they've they've got like the calligraphy writing and everything, mm-hmm. but we're we're drinking the Allstadt Kolsch, and uh, it's you know it's easy drinking. It's a four point eight. Have you tried yours yet? No, but I've had this before. Yeah, I think I, I have a uh, a heffy and um, I haven't some, had the heffa. I have something else of theirs. Maybe it's a Bach in the fridge. Yeah, no, I remember this. This is good. This is good stuff, though. Kosh. You know, I haven't been to Fredericksburg in probably 10 years, and I've heard that it's blown up. Do you go antiquing? Um, I have been antiquing and wine testing. I've just gone mainly to get iron stars to hang on my house. <laughs> <laughs> Texas iron stars. Uh-huh. Let's say Texas on them. Mm-hmm. From Fredericksburg. It looks like a sheriff's badge, except it's huge. Only Texas people like to remind their neighbors where they where they live. Uh huh. Texas. Yeah. In case you forgot, we're in Texas. Look at my giant flag, because if you forgot, we it, it is a shock to the system. Shock after, to the heart. After uh, barley wine. Okay. Is Bon Jovi next? Is that what no. going to be our next? We're, ne- we're never we're never doing a Bon Jovi book report. None. <laughs> Although my wife has met John Bon Jovi, and she said he's beautiful and the nicest person she's ever met. And short. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could crush him, but. Um. Yeah, I think this is good. It's I, super good. I thoroughly enjoy this. I um anything compared to a barrel of mead. <laughs> I didn't even know that this place existed. I don't know how long they've been around. I've seen pictures of it on the gram. I mean, they have like a full-on um like brewery and tap room in Fredericksburg. So I, I guess I need to go back to Fredericksburg. I, I've seen the pictures. It looks really nice out there. It looks like one of those kind of winery tasting scenery places. Yeah. It's not like it's in a downtown Houston kind of thing. You know, yeah. where you're at one of those breweries. This is like you're out in nature. Yeah. Because I remember the last time I went to Fredericksburg, I was like, yeah, this is nice, but 
like after couple hours mm-hmm. kind of seen it all how but many it, how many end tables can you look at <laughs> but I, I it seems as though that uh it's grown to the point where it's still quaint mm-hmm. still destination it's a destination but uh there's just a lot going on and you can um you know make several days of it instead of an afternoon i think it would be good to go in winter Let's go. Let's have an HTWOW Winter? Fredericks, Fredericksburg Winter trip. How far away is Fredericksburg? From 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 here? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's closer to me. Um. Yeah. Probably. Mm-hmm. Let me map it. Let me map it real quick. I think I drove through there on the way back from Puerto Aransas. It is off the beaten path. Mm-hmm. But I think we went through Fredericksburg. It is four and a half hours from here. It's uh, it's out west of Austin. Yes, of course. Yeah, it'll be shorter for me. Yeah. Let me see. From T's house. All right, it's still a three-hour drive for you. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we'll, we'll meet there. Good. I'll I, see you there. I need a new dining we'll, table. We'll... <laughs> We'll uh, have a romantic HTWOW getaway and a bed and breakfast, and then we'll go antiquing and get you a dining table. Go antiquing and get, like, old gas station signs. Right. Look at this golf sign. (laughs) When was the last time you saw a golf station? Man, yeah. Is that a drunk buyer or what? This will look perfect. Oh, you know that that big piece of fence in my back? I'm going to put this on. I'm going to put this golf sign on there. Sinclair. I mean, he's got a dinosaur got on a it. Dinosaur on his dinosaurs died and turned into oil. I'm gonna make my back fence look like chilies. <laughs> this whole place looks like a TGI Friday. That's what I mean, TGI Friday. <laughs> They're all the same place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, anything you want to touch on from our uh, friendsgiving proper? Uh, the food was great. Best turkey I've had in a long time. Thanks, Marissa. Yeah, Marissa takes pride in her turkey. And this was the first Thanksgiving, or the, the well, obviously first Thanksgiving, but first um, major cook in our mm-hmm. oven. You know, we got a, a new oven when we moved in here. And, and we actually sat at dining table. Yeah, and but she was uh, very excited because the last couple of turkeys that she's made... She's been very disappointed that the 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 skin wasn't crispy, that uh, you know it wasn't cooked evenly. But yeah, it, she nailed it this time. It was really good, and we had a blast. That was fun. We needed that the day after the Cowboy game. Yeah, and it was. I mean, we everyone trickled in in the afternoon. There was no urgency whatsoever. <laughs> a lot of kind of bloodshot eyes. Yeah, and we, you know, just college football on uh-huh. on the TV. Get some prosecco going. Had, that's how had you some. Kick uh, it yeah, I had some prosecco. Had turkey. Uh, you know, everybody brought their sides. You went to the liquor store. <laughs> yeah, I loaded <laughs> up at the liquor store. We were ready to go. That oh, gin's going to last a long time. Yeah. Dude, it was... Uh, you know, I think we've talked about this before. I, I I guess last month I was talking about my conflicted relationship with Thanksgiving. Because I love Thanksgiving, but I don't necessarily want to hang out with my family on uh-huh. Thanksgiving. Like I, I like other people's family or... And, and nothing against my family, just... 
you know, I feel like I've done that and it's just, you know, I don't want to do it again. Like maybe next year we can have all of the family come here now that we're, you know, established and, uh, you know, we know mm -hmm. how to host a Thanksgiving in this place. But it did seem like when I was a kid, right, that Thanksgiving, like my dad came from a family of six kids, right? Right. So there was like a billion cousins. Right. And like Just this running around like wild, animals. like it was lit. Yeah, like you met new people at Thanksgiving. Like I was like, whose cousin is that? Like I've never even seen this person. Like it was that many people around, and then it just kind of, eventually that goes away, and you're kind of like, well, I don't want my mom to have to cook a bunch of stuff just because right. I'm rolling over there with pace or something. You know, this is crazy. So eventually, you kind of just it. You know, I guess unless. I don't know, your wife or whatever, some huge family that they're, you know, other than that, like, what do you, so the friends thing is the way to go. Yeah. I mean, cause uh, you know, I, I have a small family. Marissa has a small family. Uh huh. You know, it was great that her, um, her sister and uh, brother-in-law came in town, but then they had places to go. And so they left. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they were in and out. They were here for two nights. So Friday they, uh, you know, I took them to the airport cause they had, other family to go see you got things and so um and they got a new baby people yeah, want to see people the baby. want to see the baby and so yeah i mean we, we were left with well we need to have a turkey and the main reason that marissa wants to make a turkey is so she can make her leftover sandwiches which i missed out i know you had to get back to the station so yeah we had friendsgiving on friday and then we had sandwich we day. had uh a, a, a Friendsgiving Dipper? Is that what it's called? Yeah, that was. Is that what we called it? I, I think yeah, that's yeah. what the the trademark name is. Man, the, fr the Friendsgiving it's Dipper. She could sell that thing. Yeah. So those were made on Saturday. Uh, not as good as years past because Dale kind of uh, blew the bread. Oh, he was he, in charge of bread. Well, yeah, he was in charge of bread, and he got the wrong kind of bread. Um, so sorry, Dale. You kind of ruined Friendsgiving, but yeah, Marissa can't let that out of her control. She needs to be in control. Of I know. I should. I should have. I should have, because Dale had never heard of take and bake rolls or take and bake baguettes. Okay. So he just got like full on giant French baguettes. baguettes. I know what you mean. Yeah. And yeah. and so the 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 Friendsgiving dipper is best when it's on a demi baguette, like the skinnier baguette, mm -hmm. and it's. Even better when it's on the take and bake, so the bread is super fresh and not all hard and dried out. And so uh, it's complicated. It is complicated. And so now we know not to trust Dale with the bread. Now you know you can trust him with any other type of meat yeah, cooking. Uh, yeah, he can. Uh, He's a genius at it. Yeah, maybe we can have him deep fry the turkey next year mm -hmm. or, or smoke the hell out of it. But uh, yeah, fun Smoke times. The fun times. That and, was uh, fun times. We, well, you should post our Norman Rockwell. Uh, yeah, it, I wish that you were in it because you were the camera person. I'm camera dude. Yeah, we. we <laughs> I'm artiste. I, I liked our. Uh, my favorite one was our our stock photo where we're all laughing maniacally. Yeah, yeah everyone laugh like you care. Ah. <laughs> uh, it's golden. Yeah. Uh, but I hope, hopefully, all of you listening had a uh, wonderful Thanksgiving, whether it was uh, full on family or Friendsgiving, um, or by yourself with a hot dog, um, as 
the guy who called into the ticket said that his Thanksgiving dinner was going to be hot dog. Hot dog. That's not, hot dogs are good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, hopefully you guys had a uh, wonderful holiday. And, but now uh, it's Christmas time. Yeah, now just keep it rolling into Christmas. Mm-hmm. Keep getting fatter. Keep going. I'm, Dude, it's ridiculous. It's beginning to look. You, got, you can keep go. Going. Yeah, keep no, going. I thought we were going to trade off. Oh, oh never mind. Um, all right. So to wrap up our journey through the New Order discography, we had a, a, some decisions to make because we've kind of, we haven't gotten past 1983 mm-hmm. and they're still active today. So They're still active. Um, there's just too much to get to. And so for the last jam, we could have played something off of Love Life, which we didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could have played something off of Brotherhood, but we played Bizarre Love Triangle for the, the intro. So we touched that base. Uh, we could have played something from Technique, which is my sometimes favorite, but decided not to. Um, you know, no one really cares about uh, the what was the album that Regret was on? I won't remember. They all they get confusing on what songs are on what record. Sometimes they have too many. Let's see. I can't remember. Oh, Republic. Oh, yeah. Yes. Republic. Mm-hmm. That's the one with it, one half of the cover is like a house burning down. And then the other half of the cover is a guy and a girl on a beach wrestling over a floaty. <laughs> I don't even remember. That. <laughs> it's so dumb. Um, but Regret is it's one of their all time jams. And it that, totally was, that is. was a great one. But we've we've played that on the pod before. Um, we could have played something off of uh, Music Complete, which uh, came out in 2016, and maybe we'll play something from that on the After Dark. But we decided to play something from the 2001 record entitled Get Ready. It was sort of a comeback. For yeah. Them. I mean, it was, you hadn't heard from New Order in a long time, and usually those things are failures. Yeah, so Republic came out in 93. Uh-huh. And... For all intents and purposes, they broke up after that. And Get Ready came out in 2001. And uh, so it was the first in eight years. And it, I think it had, it had everyone? Did it have everyone? I think it did. Because I think, um, I, I think, know Peter was on there. Yeah, I think after this. Was she on there? I, I want to say that Gillian had left at this point. She might not have been on it. And then when he left, when Peter left, she came back. Yes. She might not want to be in there because he was in it. Yeah. So here is the the summation of Latter-day New Order. So they get back together in 2001 for Get Ready, full lineup, and they decide to make a more guitar-heavy record because... They hadn't really played that much guitar over the last couple mm-hmm. records that they put out. And uh, and then the next album that came out, Waiting for the Sirens Call in 2005, that is when they added Phil Cunningham and he replaced Gillian Gilbert. Okay. I mean, she might have had kids at that Yeah, yeah. yeah, she, yeah. Well, she had kids with uh, um, 
with Stephen Morris, the drummer. They were still together at that point? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, they, I mean, they had gotten married. They were dating, like, all through that, uh, you know, mm-hmm. through their heyday. And then they got married in the 90s. They had kids. And so she wanted to stay home with the kids. And so um, that's when they got Phil Cunningham in the group. Uh, and then um, after that record came out, that's when Peter Hook left. And then she came back. And then she came back. Yeah, because I think, yeah. I'm sure she just had enough of him. Yeah. He was kind of a thing, man. He was the thorn and Yeah, and there, there's still a lot of acrimony. Um, uh, well, okay, so yeah, Music Complete was the first without Hook, but, um, but it did have Gillian back in it. Um, and then they also added some other dude, and I can't remember his name. Steve. Steve. Oh, they already have a Steve. Anyway, you can clean this up and make it sound like I know what I'm talking about. You'll sound like a genius. Um, but so we're we're not we're not going to touch uh, "Waiting for the Sirens Call," which is by far their worst record. Um, and we're not going to uh, touch on "Music Complete," even though it's great. We will probably play something off of that on the After Dark. But we are going to play something off of the reuniting the reboot of new order from 2001 get ready reboot it is the um the big single off the record this might have been around 24 hour party people is that right when the movie came out yes might have been yeah i want to say that might have been the resurgence a little bit but anyway it doesn't matter yeah and um interesting uh ironic note (laughs) (laughs) the um the video for this song, Crystal. Um, in the video, I know what you're gonna say. There is, uh, you know, they're in a, a, a teen, angsty teen's bedroom, and they have a poster on the wall that says "The Killers," Do you and remember? that is where the Killers got their name. Well, remember, they're not in the video. That's a fake band playing. Right. That's what I'm saying. And so on the kick drum, also. On the video of the band playing, says the Killers. Right. It's awesome. Yeah. So the Killers got their name from this video. Um, but so they've only been around, I guess, since 2001. I don't know when they started. They probably started around 2010, right? I have no idea. Now you're gonna time, make me look that up. Time flies. I really don't care when the Killers <laughs> start. <laughs> Anyways, I've talked enough. Here's New Order, Crystal, on HGWow. Like crystal, hey. we've been. 
by the way, the Killers did form in 2001. Like See? They, they saw the video and then immediately formed a band. Boom. <laughs> New order. <laughs> Influencing the world. That's what they do. They're, they were the mm. first influencers. That's true. That's true. It's <sighs> such a good song. Mm. Because you know I was happy about that song. It's because they could have sucked. Yeah, after eight years away. And they come out with a banger. Mm-hmm. Banger! I mean, even the Depeche Mode stuff that comes out, we're kind of like, man, this one's pretty good. This is good. But I would listen... Crystal could have been on any of those... Like, I would have been happy if that was on any of those records. Mm -hmm. Such a good song. And there were other good ones off that, too. Really recommend it. Yeah. Get Ready is hit or miss, but there are some hot jams. Like I said, Waiting for the Sirens Call, pretty... Yes. Pretty poopy. (laughs) Um, but then they, I mean, they totally rebounded with Music Complete. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that is a seriously underrated record. And um, I love it. I love it. Complete. I love it. Oh, by the way, the other dude, the the uh, the new Peter Hook is uh, Tom Chapman. Tom Chapman. Sounds English. <clears throat> yeah. So like Phil Cunningham and Tom Chapman, I don't know if you remember... Maybe we'll play a tune um, from this on the After Dark since we're going to delve into side, side projects. Yeah. But do you remember Bernard Sumner's side project, Bad Lieutenant? Yes. Uh, so Phil Cunningham and Tom Chapman were both in Bad Lieutenant. Okay. But also, did those two do something on their own? Or one of those guys were in something? Uh, it doesn't matter. I don't know. You don't need to look it up. It's fine. I don't know... Oh, 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 we played, uh, yeah, we played, we played it on the pod. I know, that's why. Shadow Party. Yes, and which one is that? Um, it's both of them, I believe. Yeah. See, I'm not totally insane. Yeah, no, you're, you're, you're totally not insane. Half of my brain is probably burned, but the rest of it works. Yes. Slightly. Yes, so, uh, yeah. Shadow Party is Phil Cunningham and, uh, Tom Chapman. Yeah, see? See, sometimes I can remember things. I mean, maybe we'll play a shadow party song on the after dark. I, I mean, don't know. tomorrow I won't even remember that we discussed this, but I remembered it right now. It's like when they say, if you're going to study for a test drunk, be drunk when you take the test. Right. Or like high. Yeah, because then you will be able to access those same parts of your brain yeah. that you studied. So that's when people think I'm dumb most of the day. Just wait till I'm drunk. Yeah. Then I will see. Then everything off. is going to be unlocked. If you want to hear about World War II, I got it. By the way, Shadow Party. So it's Tom Chapman, Phil Cunningham, but also uh, Josh Hager and Jeff Friedel of Devo, if you remember that. Dang. No, I did not remember yeah. that. So it's it's Devo and the the, uh, the young spares the from spares. New Order. <laughs> I'm sure it's the spares from Devo, too, because I don't remember those other guys. Eh, whatever. Whatever. Anyways... Well, that was fun. That was fun and easy. It flew by. Flew by. You know, time flies when you're having fun. I know. I hope that uh, this inspires you to uh, make it a very new order Christmas in your household. I know. (laughs) All right, let's get out of here. Mm. 
this is when they just really went for it. It's know? awesome. Oh, I was gonna tell you. So just Spotify. How many plays? How many plays would you guess this song has? 137 million. He overshot a little bit. 90 million. Blue Monday. How many? Shit. Now, here's the thing. Blue Monday, there's the original version. There's a lot of versions. Then there's the 1988 version, which sucks. I hate the 1988 version, but do you want to combine them? Or you just want to just look at the original version? You have to go original. Okay. How many plays does the original version of Blue Monday have? Just Spotify. 145 million. 241 million. Jesus. Yeah, that's big. Now, Blue Monday 88, another 81 million. So we're talking like 340 million, 330 million plays. Good. That's pretty good. Amazing. I mean, even at the rate Spotify pays out, they probably get nice checks. They do, and it won't be from Spotify. They get nice checks no matter what. They get all their money from Sound Exchange. Mmm. Yeah. One, two, three, four. This is the kind of song where you run out to the middle of the dance floor and you put your hands above your head and you just twirl in a circle. See the words that I can't say. And then maybe you do a little Molly Ringwald. Thank you so much for being here. The December 2021 episode of HTL, episode 53. Please tell a friend. That would be your Christmas gift to us. Yeah. Because if you would tell a friend about HTL, maybe a, a friend who loves New Order or a friend that you think should love New Order. Just have them give this a spin. Maybe they'll like us. Maybe they'll like New Order. Maybe they'll fall in love with both of us. They probably will. They'll fall in love with HTML and they'll fall in love with New Order. And the world will be a better place. By the way, don't forget to go to positivespin.com and register to win a vinyl copy of Substance, which obviously has this on it. I mean, holy hell. Holy hell. Uh, yeah. What? What? So good. Feels so good. Can't wait to go antiquing in Fredericksburg with you. I know. That's going to be so good. We'll see you guys next month.
in 2022. And don't forget to become a patron. Listen to all the side projects and crap. Merry Christmas.